Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything racing. Joining me in the studio, I've got Louise Torres and Richard Uden. Guys, what's happening? Hey, how's it going? Going pretty good so far. Pretty good, pretty Thanks, good. Man. All right, so uh, NASCAR raced in Atlanta this week, and this this is the traditional week you know, where the Quaker State 400 would have been at Kentucky Speedway. And I, and I know this for a fact because uh, over the last course of this past weekend, Facebook memories keep showing me, hey, you were, you were here this day, three days ago, four day, four years ago. Five, you know, they're all pictures from Kentucky Speedway. Um, so, but they had moved that to Atlanta for this year. And the interesting thing is that, that because I live in the area here, there have been a lot of uh, yeah, kind of articles from the local the local press and what, what their thoughts are on the, uh, the date being having been moved. But as it, you know, as it turns out, the, the, one of the, the bigger stumbling blocks to actually racing at Kentucky this year. And one of the main reasons they move it to Atlanta, because it, it seemed like a yeah, odd move to give Atlanta a second race where they're having a tough time selling tickets for the one. But uh, evidently that, uh, you know, at the time they were making the schedule, there was Kentucky, the, you know, and our governor, Governor Bashir, was not able to give any kind of assurances or guarantees that by the time uh, this particular date rolled around, that the state would be, you know, open for uh, tourism and and then being able to have live events and fans in the stands. You know, as it turns out, we are in a position now where where there are live events in Kentucky and and people in grandstands at uh, various events but i guess at the time the schedule was made the uh that th- that was not uh, able to be guaranteed uh but uh, however the government down there in Atlanta said they'd be happy to promise that they you know at least have some sort of a capacity by the time the schedule rolled around so so now i'm wondering what's what do we do for 2022 you know do we do we go back to Kentucky do we keep two races at Atlanta uh, or do we do something different? You guys heard anything on this or. I have not, but I feel like Atlanta only warrants one date. I think one of the, if I recall what the big motivations to have more than one race is to see if they have that big complex with the casino and everything, but which apparently is no longer a thing anymore. I guess it was rejected like gambling in, in Georgia I'm not entirely sure, but it does not warrant a second date. It it doesn't. The only reason why it would warrant it is if the first one proves to be disastrous. And what I mean disastrous and prove is the fact that they're going to re- increase the banking and narrow the circuit, to which Kyle Busch just says it's going to be like Darlington with a little bit of super speedway racing, which is something that he and probably a lot of competitors are unaware of until that was announced. Or don't want. Period. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of this trend of narrowing portions of the track is is we've seen this a lot with these uh, recent reconfigure. I mean, they did the same thing at Kentucky when they did the reconfiguration. They narrowed uh, a portion of the track turns. Uh, I can't remember if it was turns one or two or turns three or four where they had narrowed the track. Uh, but you're you're essentially like Kyle Busch said, you're taking out the whole second lane. Um, and it's gonna, it's not going to improve the quality of the racing. 
Um, but like, you know, like to, to Richard's point that he made last last week uh, on the show that if, uh, if they can always blame it on the new car, if the racing is terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, like anything else, Atlanta has resisted a repave uh, for quite some time just because the the the, the racing surface is is just really nice and seasoned and it takes years and years to get that way. Um, and then once you, once you do a repave, it takes several years to kind of get that, uh, kind of that service to where, where you season like you want it, you know? So yeah, it'd, be, they, it'd be, it'd be a little slick the first year, you know, you know, whenever we see these new repaves, you see them doing crazy things like, you know, running the tire dragons over them, uh, to, to get some, some rubber into the track or, or they're, you know, going a little, <laughs> they're going a little crazy with the PJ one. But but yeah, it seems it's like ridiculous, especially yeah. loud, and they're gonna apply it on Sunday. Xfinity and the modifieds are gonna run without it, but Sunday they're gonna add us like PJ one is a sore subject with me all of a sudden due to the fact that the Texas is gone into ruins because of it and it has impact not just NASCAR but IndyCar to the point they may not even go back there anymore until yeah, it's, it's essentially, do away with yeah, it. It's ruined the track for IndyCars. You know, it, it, yeah, it, honestly, because it just it doesn't it, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's not a product. Of course, that, it doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah, what doesn't work for the Indy cars? You know, because um, they're mean, one, they're dealing with a different tire company, which is Firestone to NASCAR with Goodyear. Two, is the different style of racing just does not. It's not acclimated for Indy car. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, that's not. They don't. They don't need that artificial, yeah, artificial and, gunk on the track to produce yeah, the grip. You know, and they, another got thing, the wings and the the under trays and. And another thing about the surface, the same thing with Fontana is I remember a decade ago because they're one of the more worst or boringest tracks out there to now is one of the more better ones. And what they're going to do with it, they're going to propose to make it to a short track. I'm not sure if anybody asked it. I'd be surprised nobody asked about how do you feel about Fontana being converted to short track instead of keeping it as is, because now Michigan is the only thing left that's similar or remotely like Fontana and it only run once a year. I th- you know, honestly, my my, I think the true motivation behind um, taking Fontana down to a half mile is to it's property to see us sell off uh, sell off half of that real estate, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know that that area, California, the um you know property values are tremendous, and if they figure if they can, you know, get a similar amount of people in in a, in a smaller place to watch the race, why not go ahead and sell off all that property for you know the incredible profit? So. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. That that's why I said it only warns a second if the first one was a it turns to be disastrous or a learning curve. But besides that, it only warns one day that as far as Kentucky, I'd be okay with it. I'm indifferent to where they go or what they lose. Well, some well take that back. It depends on what being sacrificed or being lost. But if they want to go back to Kentucky, that's their prerogative if they want to. I'm indifferent with that ordeal, but Atlanta, based on the crowd and the temperatures and the timing of the year, where it's supposed to be crazy warm, yeah, it it only warrants a date. One date. They should go yeah, Atlanta, somewhere else. Atlanta's tennis has been on the decline for quite some time, you know, and uh they got rid yeah, of I mean, the I mean, whole turn three grandstand a couple of years ago. It looks oh, yeah. atrocious without yeah, it. They, it. I mean, there was a time where oh God Atlanta was the uh, season ending season mm-hmm. ending race, but this is also a time when every race was a stone cold sellout too, you know? So, but uh, I, I don't know if the, the, the repay reconfigure is going to, I mean, obviously the repay probably needs to be done. Why reconfigure it? I don't understand that. Uh, they are putting in the fancy, uh, drainage system uh, like they have also put in Texas and in uh, in Kentucky and those and those systems really work. I mean, I was I was there um, when they, they had a heck of a rainstorm come through Kentucky and I was I was honestly amazed how quickly uh, they were able to get the track dry and, you know, with the with the new drainage system. So that so that works. But I mean, the whole narrowing of the, the track and one, I don't get it. Richard, what are, what are your thoughts on this before we start talking about the actual race? Well, the first point you make where you, you mentioned that uh, Atlanta has uh, seen a drop in attendance, you replace the word of the name Atlanta, which pretty much every other track on the on the NASCAR schedule. Uh, this is true. This is true. Um, so I don't think it's anything unique to them. But, um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, 
obviously it needed a replay as it showed in the race at the weekend when they they had to suspend the race between stage two and three because the, the track was cutting up and there was chunks of tarmac coming away so that definitely needs to be done do they need to to, to reprofile it who knows but um we will see next year, but I did notice that pretty much an hour after the end of the race, they're already ripping the track up. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna they're, they're happen. Around. Yeah, yeah, it's it's happening whether they like it or not. Which, which is a sad end to it, Atlanta, because it's basically one of the few that has some character. Not all of the quote unquote cookie cutters or mile and a half tracks that have different identities, but all have its own flaws. Yeah. We'll see come 2022 what will be the flaw with Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta's been on the schedule for a long, long time. Yeah, when when did that track open in the 60s? I think it was 61. 61, yeah. So, and man, the that, current that configuration has been there since 97, the fall. Correct. So, we did have a race there this weekend, and it was not a Hendrick car. They were non-factor. They only I know, went- yeah, go figure, right? But it was... It was, in fact, the Bush brothers beating and banging with, with, you know, Kurt Bush with an assist from uh, his buddy, um, Kyle Naughton Jr. (laughs) Carl (laughs) shaking bake. I mean, you know, Ross Chastain right there helping out his buddy, Ricky Bobby, um, with the shake and bake, uh, getting Kurt there to the win. Kyle was none too happy about it. Uh, Evidently, he did the he did the same stunt that he did. Last time Kurt beat him in a race, which was to uh, take the jet home and uh, leave Kurt there to, to find his own way home, <laughs> you know? So, but um, yeah, so Chip Ganassi, his team is uh, up for sale or it's sold. It's, you know, it, it's, it's slated to change uh, ownership uh, next year. So uh, this uh, will, you know, guarantee them having at least one of their cars in the playoffs in the, final season as Chip Ganassi racing. And, uh, and uh, again, great for Kurt Busch. He's been a perennial, um, you know, participant in the chase for years or the, the playoff. Yeah. And this one was different compared to his last few wins where they were all nail biter or set about this one. He pretty much controlled the, he was one of the strongest cars out there all race long. He and Kyle were at a different zip code. Whereas the ones that were strong last time around at Atlanta, which were Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney were nowhere in, near the mix honestly so it's good to see different teams being in that battle especially for Kurt and Ganassi I couldn't tell you when was the last time they had a really strong run besides Kyle Larson when Kyle was Larson was driving for them it's been a quite a while since we saw and that's the thing about Kurt Busch that he's shown good top 10 runs but the results have not rep represented how good he's been or quietly consistent this one he put the whole package down down and we'll see how he does going forward but once he's for sure he's in the playoffs for now depending if we reach the 16 winners or more by the end there's not a lot of racing to go to Denny Hamlin can clutch via points after Louder for all we know but great run for Kurt is one of his strongest runs he's had in a real long time yeah Kurt Kurt's one of these guys you don't hear talked about a lot you know and that's uh, partially due to the fact that uh, you know the Ganassi team is just not not there at the upper echelon. They're the the occasional winners, not the uh, uh, you know, not not the powerhouse team. Uh, but uh, Kurt still got it. He he really does. And he's um. There's a lot of questions surrounding his immediate future. Uh, and and he's been pretty forthcoming with the fact that he's talked to a number of different people about a number of different things. You know some that would involve him being a, a, a race car driver and others that would involve him working in a different capacity, including, you know, taking Jeff Gordon's spot um, on television. Uh, but he's, but he's been in conversations, I guess, with, uh, you know, with Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan at 23 XI racing. He's, he's been in talks with track house who will be taking over uh, the Ganassi team. And um, he was also in talks with, Oh, one other smaller team as a as as a part time driver. I, the, the name escapes me right now. Part time. You're thinking college racing with the mm. 16 car. No, no. Because that's gonna. It, it has a charge, so it has to have a driver for all 36 races. I'll be because Almondinger is part time, so they have to have a driver 
in that 16 car all year, whether it's Cass, whether Cass gets the deal for some of them or not. If you're not thinking colleague, then I'm not sure who you're thinking of as far as if Kurt wants to go part-time. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think they had the word race in the team race time or race. I don't know. Uh, it's, it doesn't matter, but he's been, but Kurt's yeah, he's uh he's weighing some decisions. Then of course, you know, he, he's teased at, uh, going to retire and then teased it. No, I'm not going to retire. You know, he's, he made that very cryptic video that at the very beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. If you recall that a very well-made video, by the way, I enjoyed watching it, but it's just like, okay. So at the, at the end of the thing is like, Oh, I don't get it. Is he retiring or not retiring? He really didn't say, he really didn't say one or the other, but uh, yeah, we'll just see what Kurt does. Again, the guy's still, I think he still has a lot to offer as a driver. But uh, he is, you know, reaching that stage in his career, just, you know, just like uh, we were talking about uh, Keselowski, where he's going to be beginning to take on an ownership role. You know, Kurt's also reaching that stage in his career where he where he needs to start thinking about what his next step is career wise. I think he'll be the kind of guy that'll run anything. Maybe he'll he'll run different disciplines of racing, kind of like what Marco's trying to do right now. With yeah. his racing venture, we'll talk more about Marco. Yeah, later see, on. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about Marco in a bit here. So uh, now, now, Richard. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've been quiet over there. I'm here. <laughs> so uh, what were your thoughts on the Atlanta race? I mean, in the last the last one with uh, the current configuration. So, yeah, I thought it was a, you know, it was a pretty decent race. I mean, I, I always like it when, you know, drivers get upset you know how Kurt oh sorry Kyle got upset that Kurt was sort of you know his teammate blocked him and all that sort of stuff if it was the other way around and it was a a um you know uh, um god I'll put words in my mouth it, it, if it was a, a Gibbs car that had blocked Kurt you know he wouldn't be saying oh I should have given up the win you know please but um yeah you know it, it, it'll be you know, it, it's sort of checking off that list slowly, isn't it? These 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 older tracks that have provided so much entertainment in the last few years. I mean, obviously we're going back there, but it'll be a different configuration, you know, surface and everything. So, be interesting to see what happens next year. But um, I thought, you know, it was a good, entertaining race. Yeah, and and speaking of Kyle Busch, he now has closed out his Xfinity career, evidently, right? Quote unquote. Quote unquote. He said he would leave the. Stop racing Xfinity whenever he's reached 100 wins, right? So he's at 102 after mm-hmm. he's finished, finished his commitment of Xfinity races for this year. Um, so, you know, and, you know, nothing to shake a stick out of there. 102, 102 Xfinity wins, you know? Um, and it's just kind of funny when you start thinking about Kyle Busch's stats, right? And, and you know, in comparison, so he's now the winningest active cup driver um with cup wins he's uh he his last win he surpassed kevin harvick um he's the winningest xfinity driver ever and plus he's won a, a number of truck races but I, you know kind of winning wondered, a truck series driver as well as well yep so uh yeah so you know i kind of wonder how because you, you, you often talk about how richard petty's 200 wins is untouchable in the modern era because they, you know, they break up those Xfinity wins, you know, truck wins. Uh, but, you know, in, in Petty's era, you know, pretty much there was, a, you know, the strictly stock, you know, sometimes they had the sportsman races and whatnot. Uh, but they, they, they counted almost everything as a, you know, modern day cup win, whether it be a, a, a qualifying race, you know, or a, a, a midweek 50 lapper. So, so, so or the line know, to the bathroom. The lights to the bathroom. Richard was first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the season begins at the tail end of the pre of the year prior, like it's December. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you uh, you know when it, that's why I see you can't really compare wins. 
because after when Winston took over, when they started doing the divisions and, and separating those wins. But, but you know, if you think about it, if you, you look at Kyle's overall win record, you know, he's he's right up there with being as dominant across, you know, across the board in, in all the national series as Richard Petty ever was during his time. And that's very unpopular to say because everybody loves Richard Petty. But Kyle Busch, you know, half and half. Yeah, the thing is, is I feel like it's going to be tough for any competitor to get to 90 wins like Gordon did, or even Johnson at 80, 80 hot in the low 80 win, win range. It's going to be very tough to see guys like Gordon Johnson, Waltrip, Allison, and Yarbrough get that many wins the way it's going because Kyle is trying to push the 60 wins. He has taken him this long to get there. It's just kind of. The competition also would go back to the quote-unquote wins on Saturday, chokes on Sunday era of Kyle. They'll oh, yeah. wonder how many more wins he could have gotten on those Sundays if things went, luck went on the side. He'd probably be right up there with Earnhardt or at least in the in the 80 range right now, but who will never know. Yeah, it just, you know, honestly, I just, I kind of wonder how history will look back at Kyle Busch, you know, because he's, he's not viewed kindly by a lot of folks right now. You know what I mean? And that's. It has yeah, to been for a long time, for a decade at most at minimum. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and that's NASCAR fans are fickle like that too. You know what I mean? They have their, 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 their favorites and then everybody else sucks. You know, your guy sucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a chase fan. Therefore Kyle Larson sucks. I'm a Kyle Larson fan. Therefore Kyle Busch sucks. You know, and that's, but yeah, I just, I just kind of wonder how how history will treat Kyle Busch because honestly, you know, if you just look at you know his overall career and just the amount of time this guy is is there running at the finish, it's 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 really incredible. But he just does not. You people do not you know say him in the same breath as they would say an Earnhardt or a Petty or even a Jimmy Johnson or a Jeff Gordon. But you know, that's just my. What are your what's your two cents, Richard? As you say, it's difficult to compare generations, isn't it? Oh, not generations, but eras. And it's a thankless task, really, isn't it? You know, I, I, I think you, you can only really look at what we have today and, and, and put them into some sort of generational category. Um, it was a different sport in the 60s and 70s and 80s to what it is now. And uh, I think you can just judge each driver on his merits and what he was able to achieve and, 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 and the like and the competition that he was up against. Um, so, you know, it's almost like, you know, if you take it in comparison, you look at the tennis world, you know, you look at who's out there now, you know, you know, Nadal, Federer, Djokovic and Murray. I mean, any four of those in their generation would have been, you know, considered the greatest player of all time. But because there's all four of them at the same time, it, it you know, it sort of dilutes the pool, but that's not taking anything away from either of them. And it's the same in racing. You know, it's, it's a very different, you can only beat the people you're up against. And if your competition is not tough, then you're great. But if the competition's great, you could be an also run. Very, very good. I mean, yeah, that, that, I that, hate doing yeah that's an excellent point. Cause you know, like, you know, when you talk about Richard Petty, you know, a lot of these races, some of these races, you know, were like local, local yeah. short, short tracks and dirt tracks. And he's up against maybe, maybe there's a couple of cup guys in there. Right. But, but largely just, uh, you know, a bunch of the, the local guys, you know, am- yeah, amateur, exactly. amateur racers on a, on a shoestring budget. You know, trying to trying to to make enough money to buy parts to race again next week. And you know, you see, so that, yeah. So, is, but is that not, yeah. you know, this is not taking anything away from Carl Bush uh, on any level. But you know, if, if I've been in a you know quite a few to to a number of Xfinity races, and you look around the garages, and some of the, and it's it's more evident in Xfinity than it is Cup. At the Xfinity level, some of those guys literally don't have a pit box. You know, they have a couple of deck chairs and a radio, and a laptop. You know, and then you look at you look at what Kyle Busch can produce, and his setup is similar to a cup level. You know, you look in, you know, you look at his car, and you look at you know the outside they're all pretty similar, but you look inside his car, everything was all really neatly laid out. You know, you can tell it's been built to the same level and dedication as a cup car. You look at some of those guys who run at the back of the pack in Xfinity, and they, they literally got tape holding these things together, and. You know, they're there just to run a few laps. You know, they're not, not there to compete. So the quality of the field that Kyle Busch is competing against in Xfinity is far lower than Cup. 
And it certainly shows, you know, the level of preparation and dedicate, you know, dedication that he goes through to to get a, a race in. The, the finances far outweigh what is available for, for some of the competitors. I mean, what does he, how many races a year does he run in Xfinity? So he runs 10 races out of 30 or whatever the number is. His budget for those 10 races is probably double some of the team's budgets for the whole season. So it, it's not a, a fair comparison, unfortunately, uh, I don't think. And it's, I wouldn't say it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but it's certainly, um, you know, a lot easier for him than it is for others. Certainly point well taken. Yep. So we're not off- to take anything away from him because he's well, yeah, exactly. still got to do it, but yeah, yeah. He's still a heck of a wheel, man. Yeah. But I, I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Xfinity wins are a little, a little easier to, uh, to pick off than the cup ones. So, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, again, the whole comparing ears is always tough, you know, because people don't like to give Scott Dixon his just do either because they said he couldn't, you know, hold AJ Foyt's shorts, you know. So, but it's a different field. It's a different car. It's a different, yep. it's a totally different discipline than what, uh, you know, that what, when Foyt was doing. And, oh, and, course, yeah. and, and when the car is towards the end of Foyt's career, when, when the cars were more sophisticated and, and we have, some some ground effect uh, and those sort of things there uh you know Foyt was was yeah you know, yeah because he yeah you know, he raced until what 93 or 94 maybe but his last uh, win was in 81 indycar wise would be 92 racing wise because from 93 he pulled out after robbie gordon crashed in practice and decided he needed to focus as an owner more than driver and owning a car so there he you did go. drove an, an Indy car wise as far as racing overall, maybe 94 with the brickyard. Yeah, he, did. he drove he drove some truck series, then he actually will be 95, 96 then after that. All right, but but to my point, his yeah. last his last win was in 1981. You yeah, know, he, he did the the yeah, petty, petty, same thing. He 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 the, towards the end of his career, he was not quite as competitive as he was as the you know the cars became more sophisticated and changed, you know, mind you that, you know, the, the NASCAR cup cars didn't become quite that sophisticated, uh, but they were certainly different than, than what he was driving in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Especially when they downsized the cars that his family team wasn't enough for him that he had to go with Mike curb one racist, but there's the subject of his Charlotte win, whether or not it should have counted because of that big engine, especially if you're Daryl Waltrip. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's when uh, yeah, NASCAR had the policy of, of, well, you know, we'll strip your points or whatnot, but they don't take the wins away, um, which is they've only recently changed that. So, yeah, there's, we still there's, have yet there's, to see a there's a couple of, there's a couple of wins out there with asterisks in them. Yeah, yeah, a couple of them that probably would have favored Daryl, like Brett Bodine. Oh, well, that's timing yeah. a scoring ordeal. That's not really the performance of the car. So that's yeah. different. Yeah, timing and, and scoring is a whole nother, whole nother ball of wax with a whole lot of stories and a whole lot of different <laughs> series we could talk about. Yeah. But but that's not what I want to talk about. What I do want to talk about <laughs> is the the apparent little misunderstanding surrounding the crash testing of the new car, the new NASCAR. Um, so if I'm understanding the story correctly, is that they they did the crash test, but when they, the first time they tried to do it. The, the sled broke, right? So they, they use a sled. They have a computer drive the car. They put the crash test dummy in there. That that sled pretty much slings the car at the wall and, and, and they, they crash it head on. But the sled broke or whatever fell, so they weren't able to do the crash test, right? So somehow it's the it circulates around the garage that the crash test failed, okay? Which some people took to mean that the car fail the crash test not the fact that they weren't able to crash the car so and then it was uh chase briscoe gets on his twitter and says yeah they killed the crash test dummy or and read it and read it yeah one of those one of those social media platforms there where people just took that and ran with it although it's largely untrue uh because when they were able to do the crash test they said that the results are about they would about what they would have expected and they said the car performed well uh, in the crash test. So, uh, but there's a lot of other people that are, that are just have latched onto this 
I'll call it a misunderstanding. Um, some other folks are saying that it's that it's true. The car failed the crash test and, uh, you know, and, and NASCAR are just trying to cover some up. But you always have those folks who uh, <laughs> who uh, like to have uh, their little conspiracy theories and whatnot. So but uh, now, Richard, have you in your days of working in uh, in NASCAR ever been present for some crash testing? Not in NASCAR, no, because um, I think with that, uh, you know, that was through the the, the, the era where the um, you know the chassis didn't really go through much change. And what typically would happen is that NASCAR would do their own independent testing and then mandate to the teams, you know, a new bar or whatever it may be. Um, the Formula One, we've done some because um, each component, you know, each um, you know design and the like had to go through a load test and a crash test before. Um, you know, the season started and all that sort of stuff. So um, they're, they're interesting things. They certainly are. And, um, you know, they're obviously essential for what we, you know, the teams are trying to do from a safety standpoint. Um, but <sighs> there was also another test with this next-gen car or whatever we're calling it, Gen 7, is it? Um uh, I think it was at Talladega where they actually had a remote control car, you know, driver, which is not that difficult to do these days. And they hit it into the wall or rolled it or whatever it may be. And um, then they had an independent uh, set of engineers verify the results on that. So NASCAR is certainly doing the homework on this. And, you know, in terms of the actual roll cage area around the driver, I don't think there's huge changes. It's, um, you know, just going... The cars are pretty safe as they as they are. Obviously, they're looking to try and make them say you know safer at any opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it's not going to be worse anyway. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, to your point about the cars being safer. I mean, if you just look at some of the horrendous looking wrecks that we've seen guys walk away from, mm-hmm. say, for instance, uh, you know Ryan Newman recently. Newman, yeah, and um, was it uh, Austin Dillon? Austin Dillon, Austin yeah. Dillon had a, had a pretty pretty heavy crash there and was largely yeah. unscathed. So yeah, the, those cars are, are pretty rock solid, <laughs> you know? And, and yeah. again, I think um, somebody was, I forget which driver was saying it. Uh, he said that they, they still probably need to think a little bit more about the, the roof caving in. That's that might've been Denny Hamlin. I thought it was Joe Lagana go. I thought it was Joe Lagana. Oh, might've been, might've been Lagana. Yeah, yeah. I have three went upside down and he's like, yeah, I'm like, you know, my head's like six inches from the tarmac at 200 miles an hour. Yeah, main um, reason why we're getting a different package at Talladega and Daytona. And I, I think one area that NASCAR, I'm surprised they haven't looked at is, and you know, it's taken the leaf out of Formula One's book with a lot of the biometric um, safety information, like, you know, in the gloves and the driver's earpieces and stuff like that. You look at the Formula One car and the gloves that the drivers use have, sensors in them to monitor the driver's health and even the earpieces now in the driver have um you know sensors in them to to monitor the driver's health and um mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, with the the thing with a you know Formula One driver is typically you know a driver will have one you know one wreck a year, a big wreck anyway. You know, whereas in NASCAR, you know, as you saw with like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and like you know it, the damaging thing to those guys is the repetitive. You know, they can have four or five contacts with the wall a year, and and that is you know as we now know is as damaging to a driver's well being as one big hit can be. 
So I, I think it's only a matter of time before they start getting into that and start getting onto, um, you know, crash data loggers and stuff like that in the cars that um, that Formula One has, and I believe IndyCar has something very similar. Oh yeah, IndyCar IndyCar has been compiling crash data for for decades. I mean, they kind of pioneer yeah. pioneer the technology, but they they do have the. Uh, the sensors that are in the, the driver's earpieces where they yep. can, can monitor things like the, the heart rate and um, the, the, the breathing the G, deceleration. And, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the uh, yeah. Deceleration, the G's, those sort of things. So, yeah. And, and there's no reason NASCAR can't. Um, I'm very you know, surprised. Get, get they on go, board with that. Um, yeah. So they, they do this token gesture thing of sticking a thermometer in the car. So the camera can point at it. It's like, great, that's really good. You know, it's like, and I know they looked at it because I was involved in it. Um, some initial work on putting sort of um, more driver driver health and driver biometric data, you know, like uh, CO2 monitors in the cars and temperatures and and stuff like that in the in the car um, to, to sort of, and also in like the, um, the air conditioning units that the drivers run to see what the air quality is like that they're breathing in. Because there have been a number of drivers that have had to retire from the sport because of carbon monoxide poisoning. Ah, uh, yeah, Rick Bass comes to mind. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I got—I was good friends with his crew chief, and he was telling me about it. It's pretty, you know. And even from a crew standpoint, you know, we don't realize this, but talking to some of the guys, they said, you know, you go to a lot of guys. I say you go to someone like Bristol, and the day after the race, you'll have a thumping headache, and a lot of them put it down because you're in such an enclosed space. With all these cars running around and, you know, the exhaust tailpipe goes somewhere and it just settles within the infield. And, yeah, it can. some of the guys really complain that they suffer from quite bad headaches. So there's still work to do from NASCAR's standpoint, you know, but to the same extent, there's still that sort of reservation from it, from, from some of the teams and some of the people involved in it. Yeah, I mean that, and that's again, that's, that's another case for cleaner emissions as well, or alternative fuels, which I know is it's really unpopular amongst old school race fans to talk about alternative fuels and and things like that because you know they like the they like the smell of the gasoline and, and those sort of things. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, it is to to you know to your point, a place like Bristol, you know, it, it's enclosed entirely around there, so yeah, that stuff's gonna just hang in the air. So not exactly healthy for the fans in the stands either. I would imagine. No, they're all day. But they're so. going to go through it once a year. These right. guys do These it. These guys are every, yeah, every weekend. All right. So where are we off to next? It is Loudon. Loudon. Yeah. And you talk about, they're going to put some PJ one on Loudon on Sunday morning. After the, well, after the Xfinity and modified races are done Saturday. So on a match is right away or Sunday morning. So you wonder why why I put it there for just a cup race, and not the others. What's what was the reasoning with that? Do you, any idea, or and the other guys I, just don't want to deal with that, or I guess so because well, for one, the modifieds run Hoosier tires. I think to my knowledge, they still are. Yeah, they are Xfinity. I guess they just because I think they're both running the same day. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I think it's more or less to do with the cars, even the tire comp as to where the modifieds are not acclimated with Hoosier tires are not who how they're going to adapt to a PJ one. Is it going to bode well for them? Who knows? And it's also, yeah, we don't want to find out on race day. No, Hmm. especially no, not with probably the biggest mod of one of the biggest modified races of the year. Yeah, modified racing is huge in the Northeast. That's Um, their main, that's their core demo. I used to. Uh, we've got a lot of fam- we've got a lot of family in the Pennsylvania area, and I know quite a few uh, quite a few guys that run modifieds and super modifieds, and it's 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 really a fun series to watch. But um, yes, yeah, so that 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 event in um, New Hampshire is a big one uh, for those modified guys. But uh, yeah, I forget so- is this one or the one that is a standalone that's their biggest either or. Loudon is one of their major stops, especially on a NASCAR weekend. Yep. So Loudon, never one of my favorite tracks. I can't tell you why, um, but then it has put on some decent races over the year. And plus, it's always it's always neat to see you know the driver be handed a, a gigantic live lobster 
for a trophy. Uh, that's one of the, one of the most unique trophies out there in NASCAR. You know, we've, you know, we've seen the, you know, the, the guitars and grandfather clocks and those sort of things, but this is a gigantic live lobster, uh, where you can, uh, you know, if, if you don't put it on your mantelpiece, you can have it for dinner. Yeah. Some of them like <laughs> Den, Den, Denny Hamlin, Jimmy Johnson, probably. Nope. I just want it out of my sight. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so who do you like for Loudon? I mean, I don't see why you can't go against Joe Gibbs racing. I know Ford has been the focal point the past couple of years a lot. I think they're trying to go for four in a row, but I feel like it's going to be a Gibbs type of day. Let's go with Truex in this one. All right. Truex, who had a pretty good run at Atlanta, by the way, he started way in the back and ended up, ended up third. Yep. So after yeah. failing pre-race inspection, he was supposed to start fifth. Yeah, yeah, but he started way in the back. So now, Richard, what do you think? Is you know Hendrick going to bounce back, or or are we? Uh, uh, are they just going to lay low for a while? I think they'll bounce back pretty quick. You know, it's just one off, wasn't it? I mean, Atlanta's a pretty unique track, and uh, you know, it's like ah, uh, okay, yeah, there were whatever. Let's move on. Yeah, it's just like so, so they had good. So that so that being said. So, Richard, so that being said, who do you like for the win? Oh, Denny Hamlin. <laughs> All right. So that's two of y'all picking Gibbs car. So, I mean, sh- should I just, just go ahead and say Kyle Busch and, and then we'll all take the Gibbs cars? Pretty much. Pretty Let's much. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, yeah, some New Hampshire's next. And then, uh, this uh, weekend we'll be at Silverstone for the Formula One race. Uh, again, yeah. now we talked about this last week, some with the sprint qualifying, which, which you and I both agree is one of the most unnecessary things uh, to come about. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it's, yeah. if it's not broke, why fix it? So uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're still going to see that. But uh, so what's um, what, are any, any interesting stories coming out of Formula One uh, going into Silverstone? Uh, I understand there was a little rumor that Mercedes was going to announce George Russell, but George Russell has yeah. kind of put the kibosh on that. And he says, Oh no, there's, there's no announcement. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's somebody, somebody asked him about signing for Mercedes and he said, well, I signed for Mercedes back in 2017. So, you know, <laughs> which he did. Uh, but I think um, one news story that came out today, Aston, um, not Aston Martin, so Alfa Moreo have re-signed with Sauber for a number of years. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll be they'll be keeping that partnership going, which is great for the sport. You know, the, the, they've always been a team that have struggled a little bit uh, on the financial side. So if they've got that committal there, then that's great. Um, I mean, Alfa Romeo was one of the most historic names in auto racing. Yeah, I mean, they were. I'm sure that, they, they were they were winning that, races at the the very beginning of, uh, of of the world championship. Yeah, and they've got that tie with Ferrari, obviously, and. There has been speculation of a potentially a uh, Bottas Mick Schumacher partnership there next year if George Russell does go to um, uh, Mercedes and Bottas leaves. That'd be an interesting setup there, I guess. Um, outside of that, no, I don't think there's been a great bit of news. Unfortunately, um, uh, Landon Norris was 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 mugged at the uh, Euro Championship final between England and Italy on on Sunday, which was. Just some of the behavior, you know, as a side note, some of the behavior of the England fans at that event was absolutely appalling. But anyway, that's another story for another day for another sport. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was, was gonna say, yeah, we get we get tell numerous stories about British fans getting out of line of yeah. soccer matches. Yeah, yeah, well, I still have yet know. to see it. I recorded the final, but never got around to see it yet. Yeah, it, the first two minutes were great. After that, it was pretty downhill. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but but, but it's just was, Lando's fine though. A little, a little yeah, shake, shaken up, but unhurt. Yeah. Just lost just, his team watch, which was worth forty thousand dollars or whatever it is. Um, easily, yeah, yeah. So. But no, I mean the big thing, obviously, going into this weekend is the sprint race, and the format of the weekend is going to be changed. Um, first time there's been a format change for a race weekend outside of weather. In goodness me, when did they bring in this three stage qualifying? You know that was. Oh, goodness me. I'm trying to think when the last time there's been a major overhaul, it's at least five or six years, if not longer. They had that silly one, didn't they? That they tried for like the Australian Grand Prix, and it was a complete mess up. And then they went back to 
this sort of format, the current format of qualifying pretty quickly. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So the format of the, of the weekend, from what I understand, is Friday, free practice Friday, qualifying Friday afternoon, later in the afternoon, so people can watch that on TV when they get home from work. Saturday, there's going to be a free practice Saturday morning. Then there's going to be the sprint race Saturday afternoon, which is in Silverstone's instance, 17 lap qualifying. So it's, it's 100 kilometers, I think. So about, about 25 to 30 minutes. Um, no mandatory pit stops. They can choose whichever tire they want because qualifying will purely be soft, be soft, to op, soft tire anyway. I can't imagine there's going to be many races where a medium tire is going to be the optimum tire for qualifying. Um, the top three places on the sprint race on Saturday will get three points, two points, and one point accordingly. And then the result will form the grid for Sunday's race. Um, it'll, uh, now yeah, has, it'll has be... there been any oh like changes to like the park park firm rules? Yeah, I, I know think, that like they, you know, the cars are what impounded after qualifying. I was reading that a minute. So, ago, but I mean, actually. so if you have, um, so if you, if you got to have a little damage in this sprint race here, you're obviously going to want to be able to work on the car before. Yeah. So let me. I was actually, I was actually just reading up on this a few minutes ago. Um, so uh, rules forbid the changing major changing of major components in part for me to avoid teams moving to create special qualifying cars. Yeah, we all know that. Um, so for safety reasons, teams can change brake friction material for a new identical set that we used in qualifying and the F1 sprint race ahead of the Grand Prix. Brake ducts can also be changed. Uh, allowances have been made for power unit and gearbox cooling adjustments should the ambient temperature change significantly. A change of more than 10, de of 10 degrees C or more, according to the FAA, uh, is what's considered a significant temperature change. Should a component be damaged in an F1 sprint race, the team has to run, uh, and the team is right, they can run previous use specifications without penalty. Previously, a change of specification, either for new or old components, would have triggered a penalty. So, okay. So, if they have a, you know, an incident on the Saturday, they can change the component without penalty. Um, between qualifying and the F1 sprint, teams are permitted to change or adjust suspension elements, springs, and dampers or alter camber toe or ride height suspension components defined by technical regulations. So it's still a little bit gray, I think. I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning process. It'll be interesting to see how it all happens. But, um, I mean, let's see what happens. But I personally don't see there be this mammoth shift in, 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 the, uh, in the results. No, I don't. I don't yeah, I don't so think you're going to see a lot of. You might see maybe one or two position change throughout the grid. There, you know, I don't. I don't see a lot of guys risking a whole lot to gain one spot on the grid. Yeah. No, they probably couldn't afford it because even if they have the spare car, it probably may have a DNS, which is probably not what the team or the competitors want. No, certainly nobody wants a DNS. Um, because in the record book, we'll have them in a parenthesis, a parenthesis start rather than an official start. I'm sorry, what now? You, you lost me on something. It'll have a what where rather than an official they rather have an official start, like say if you made 55 Grand Prix starts, but in parentheses it shows 58. Say three of them were because you didn't start to race. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. I know that. Whoever gets pole, whoever, I can't remember which way, whoever wins the actual sprint race will get the pole on their record. So, whoever yeah, wins that's pole what they're going for. On, yeah. Sat on Friday, won't actually get pole, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah that, that does make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how they're doing it, from what I've understood the entire time. That'd be interesting to see. We'll I see mean, what are happens they, anyway. Are they, now, is Silverstone the only place this is slated for, or were there like they're going to do it? One or one or two more places they're doing that. Three places this year. Um, Silverstone definitely. Mons has been pretty widely tipped, and then there's a, a another. Um, could be Austin, maybe, especially if there's two races there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, with Melbourne gone again. So they're they're still talking about. Doing a double header in Austin, huh? Yeah, because at first it was on the table and it was off the table. 
Well, there's Magello could be available. Uh, some of these other places. So we'll see. I mean, you know, who knows these days? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's been yeah. We're we're two two years into the schedule just being in flux. Yeah, we'll see where we can race next week. <laughs> what country's open yeah. for business? Yeah, that's what it looks like at this rate, especially at the tail end of the season. Because the well, rest they say is... they're gonna get they say they're gonna get twenty three races in. So you know, good luck to them. Yeah, we'll they're, see. They're, how they're committed to get that. Imagine if they have two Abu Dhabi races to just to fulfill that quota. It could it could happen. So all right, so let's move on. Let's talk about the SRX race, okay? Because you know, we we've just kind of casually mentioned these things in passing. Um, over the last couple of weeks, um, we're not really kind of dug into it a lot, but uh, they were racing at Slinger, Slinger Raceway in Wisconsin, which is a unique, a unique little track. Um, it's a very fast little track, um, but uh, I had, had an opportunity to watch a video that was posted on social media by young Haley Deegan, where there was a lot of behind the scenes of her chit chatting with the other drivers and stuff. And I, and I found it to be um just pretty fun to watch, you know, some of the interaction between uh, between some of the, the, you know, these you know young drivers like Haley Deegan. Then you've got these these older fellows out there like Elio and Paul Tracy and uh, Willie Ribs and and um, Bill Elliott, uh, Bobby Labonte out there. Um, so it's, I found it to be quite interesting and fun to uh, just just watch watch the interactions back there. It looks like a lot of people are really having a lot of fun with it. Um, and just to listen to the drivers talk to one another so candidly about moves they're making on the track there, you know, other than, you know, Paul Tracy seemed like, uh, you know, he's like somebody stole his lollipop. He seems so, so disappointed that he keeps getting dumped every week, but otherwise it looks like these, um, drivers are really enjoying themselves and, uh, it was Marco Andretti taking the win. So yeah, if, yeah. The the backstory is that Paul has been taking or moving drivers out of the way, like Ernie Francis and Woodley T. Ribs, especially Bobby Labonte at Eldora. So I think it just took, and then 2019, Haley Egan made a comeback and decided to move him out of the way, and it resulted in a multi-car accident that involved PT, Mikey, and I think Willie T. Ribs was also in that one, if I recall, turn. Three. It's kind of like a taste of his own medicine. It's like, well, yeah, you move people out of the way. People didn't like it, so you got retaliated. It's just kind of dry. I understand Paul's frustration, but you got to realize that when you keep doing that, you're gonna get turned. You're not gonna like it either. If you go, and we've seen a, a good slew of driver feuds in this season, in this young season. Well, we only have one more race weekend to go. In year one, with Elio Castronavis and Scott Speed last week, they were not happy with each other, and Scott Elio wanted nothing to do with it. Even you mentioned Deegan's vlog, Elio, it was like, yeah, I'm not, I want nothing. To, just kind of moved on. There's like, there's no reason to discuss with with Scott. And then, I think at Eldora, I don't know if we talked about it that. Paul Tracy flat out took out Bobby Labonte and Bobby didn't like it either. So when we saw that with Deegan and Tracy, it's like, well, he, Deegan was viewed as the, he, as the, as the baby face in this ordeal, like got the lot of reception. Yeah. Oh she, yeah. She certainly did. Yeah. Cause she, I mean, she, you know, she was right up there on Paul's door and he kind of turned down on her. You know, yeah. so, she, so she dumped him. I'm like, hey, you know, that's that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, how, that's how things go on this. Yeah, it's uh, been a, it's it's been a couple of years since we saw that out of Deegan because she's not had a good proxies that she's been rather learning her, but also appalling to where she's not she's not going to make the playoffs in her rookie year. The playoffs is all but decided. We only got one more race, which is Watkins Glen at a road course for the truck series before this postseason begins already. Whereas Xfinity got a long ways to go, but that's a different topic. But for Deegan, she's done quite well in this kind of race. I think it kind of shows why they have her in this series. Marketability and kind of star power, despite the fact that she's only 
She hasn't won a major race in a couple of years, which would be back in Colorado in the West race where took out her teammate, Derek Krause. Speaking of Derek Krause was a weapon at Alto at Knoxville of weapon for everybody that the drivers that retaliate him after race got sent to the truck. It's like, why? <laughs> why? But the one thing that stood out is Luke Fenhouse, who won the Slinger Nationals, whoever won it, that Tuesday, what was it, Tuesday night race, will get a chance to run in the SRX race. Fenhouse beat, uh, speaking of Derek, he beat Derek Krause. And that field had guys like Steven Nassi, Eric Jones, Jesse Love. And in the end, it was Fenhouse, a local 17-year-old kid out of Wisconsin, who had a tremendous showing. He held his own quite well with Marco Andretti, Ernie Francis, Tony Stewart, and Bobby Labonte all race long to where you have to be, you have to nail a lap perfectly down there to kind of have an advantage. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck side by side all race long battling for position like what you saw off front. But Marco, that's the first notable win since, I guess, Iowa and 20, no, was it Iowa? Iowa, Iowa, Iowa 2011, yep. I'm sure Marcos wants at least something notable, uh, not counting his. Well, aside from his Indy 500 poll a year ago, he must have at least want something, but it's been a long while. And no, I don't believe he has. He hasn't really no. stepped out of the box of racing any yeah, at all until now. You know, he, he might have won a couple of games of Scrabble. Probably <laughs> so, but who knows? <laughs> but no, but I mean, Marco was pleased enough with his win that when, you know, he was asked about, you know, his, his plans are, he kind of, uh, was pretty forthcoming with the fact that he would like to try the Xfinity series. And then he's actually been in discussions uh, with some teams um, is as far as trying to put a deal together for next year. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we've talked about this for a number of years that maybe what would do Marco a world of good would be to get outside of daddy's team, you know, and out from under the Andretti umbrella and, and let him get, uh, perspective of a different core group of folks to work with. And we see that he's run well in this SRX, you know, mind you, it's largely, um, you know, very short race, but it's a discipline he's not really used to and, and yet to see him excel. And and the one thing I was impressed with him is that, uh, you know, a lot of folks were really uh, having trouble with the, uh, the tire degradation in the SRX race, you know, the, the tires would just go off really quick, but Marco, and Ernie Francis as well were, were able to kind of save their tires a little better than, than some of these other folks there and, and use that to their advantage at the end of the race. So for sure, like a couple of them that did well, the beginning faltered a bit, like Tony was there, but obviously the green, white checker with the whole thing with Tracy and Deegan helped put Stewart back in it, but it was looked like it's going to be Marco and Luke for that battle for the win until that whole ordeal went down. But yeah, like I think he's the third, I think this is the third driver from the open wheel world that has expressed interest in running Xfinity. We go back to a couple of years ago with Scott Dixon. Obviously if we don't, it hasn't materialized enough yet. And of course, Ganassi doesn't have an Xfinity team or Ganassi will be involved in NASCAR in any capacity after 21. And it also Pietro Fittipaldi. I think they almost have a done probably a done deal to run Xfinity at some point. Right. And of course, Connor Daly has run a few Xfinity races. Um, yeah. Santino, Santino, Santino. Is, is, Santino is running Xfinity races. And James Hinchcliffe is another guy who's expressed some, uh, at least a passing interest in, in trying out uh, Xfinity. So, yeah, we're at Ernie Francis as well, but he's also just recently I saw something that he's interested or expressed interest of in running IndyCar as well. Yes, yeah, there was an article that he said he might be interested in running IndyCar. Yeah, I don't know that the his particular background is is a good step into IndyCar. You know that that kind of the guys coming out of that kind of background haven't really been suited for IndyCar in quite some time. But you know he's. He's a young enough guy, you know, the, the, who's to say he can't get a couple of seasons of lights in, in under his belt and, and adapt to it. Um, you know, he might, he might do quite well with it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, obviously IndyCar rides are <laughs> kind of hard to come by if, if you don't have a big checkbook. 
um, or or unless you're a proven driver. So, and speaking of IndyCar uh, rides, there I, I believe we're looking into a pretty big shakeup in in some of the seats coming up this year, particularly at uh, the Andretti team. And we talked about this a little bit last week, um, but uh, there have been a couple of articles that have, re- have surfaced about, you know, who's going to be in, who's going to be out at Andretti next year. And of course, you know, Hunter Ray is seen to be on the, um, <laughs> the, the silly season rumor list every year. And every year it seems like DHL re-ups and uh, keeps him in that spot. But this, this may in fact be Hunter Ray's last year with, uh, with Andretti. And, and I, and I don't feel that um, Hinchcliffe uh, is going to be around next year. I, I think uh, you've got to call this a failed experiment. Uh, I, I really haven't seen anything dynamite out of that guy this year. So, Louise, what other kind of things are you hearing? Roman Grosjean probably may go to Andretti. That's another one I've heard that they might pick him up because all we know is that Andretti Autosport will have the different lineup of what they have right now. The only ones in lock are Rossi and Herda. The other two is to be determined with Grosjean being rumored as probably in the Andretti, one of the Andretti cars, but it really depends how that materialized. Other than that, that's all I've heard that is in the rumbling. Right now, maybe the, Dale Coin Racing, the sponsor on Grosjean's car. Does that is that that's his sponsor, right? He he brought that's a on. Rick. That's a Rick Ware race. Oh, that's a Rick Ware. Okay, all right. Because was, you was... see Cody Ware and drive that in the Cup Series in the fifty one. Okay, all right. So I, I I'm sure Romain's bringing some kind of money along. Somebody, some consortium of. French businessmen, French gentlemen are writing a check, you know, just Didn't like Gene um, Hess at one point say that he was going to, he was going to fund Grosjean in IndyCar for a little while. I, I, I remember hearing that. I don't know if that actually came to fruition or not, but you know, you got guys like, uh, like, like Erickson, Erickson is funded, right. But his, you know, his, his kind of mystery backers, you know, they don't really have the name on the car. But he's the, the money that he brings comes from a consortium of businessmen who support him. Uh, although he does, you know, he does have the sponsorship from the Husky Chocolate uh, mm-hmm. group. So, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But I'm sure that, uh, you know, Grosjean going to Andretti would be favorable to both parties. One oh, or the yeah. other. Yeah. It'll be curious to see. But the other one I mentioned, Dale Coyne, Vassar Sullivan. That's probably the other one that. I've heard, I can't confirm nor say what it is exactly other than the team that might have some subject matter as far as whether or not certain drivers will stay. And that boils it. Well, we're give me about the, it right the, now. There's the certain drivers, Ed Jones. I mean, you can yeah. tiptoe around no, t- all you're not, but there's only one guy you're talking about. Yeah, I know. But I was like, as far as the situation with that, I can't formally say other than Ed Jones. It's a huge question mark with the coin Vassar deal, whether or not he'll be around in 2022 is ultimately a mystery right now. Yeah. And again, his, his performances have been kind of hot and cold this year. Yeah. He's had a couple, he's had a couple of good runs, but more kind of mediocre ones than not. So, yeah. And, and also and, and it's, it's kind of, that's kind of been the hallmark of his career though. He's, yeah, he's not been really outstanding. Um, in, in any capacity in IndyCar, even, even with, you know, top rides. So, but it's a shame because he was, uh, he was dynamite in, um, the junior series. For sure. It is kind of a shame. All right. So, well, we are right up at the end of our hour. So, uh, I want to thank both you guys. Uh, you have a final thought, anything that you wanted to either of you wanted to mention tonight that you weren't able to squeeze in that won't take longer um... than a few moments to say. Kyle Larson's extended his contract at uh, Hendrick and is fully sponsored through to 2023, is it? Yeah, 2023. Alfa Romeo's is through 2025, if I recall. Yeah. And that after Loudon is the Olympic break. So we won't see any racing till August 8th. Right. Yeah. A couple, couple weeks off. So NBC can put Olympics on every one of their channels. And then, yeah, NASCAR will return August 8th and IndyCar will return August 14th in the streets of Nashville. August and, 8th, too. 
14th yes. is the Brickyard, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, it is. It is August 8th, uh, August 6th through 8th. Uh, and I did see that they are putting up the catch fencing in downtown Nashville, getting uh, getting that track uh, track build started. So that'll be that'll be a fun event. Um, I don't know how inspiring the course layout is going to be other than the two long straightaways that go over the bridge. I think that's going to be pretty darn exciting to watch. Um, the rest of it looks like a, a retread of the Meadowlands circuit. Um, but, uh, you know, oh, come on the metal less did not look like a special, like one of those things you pull the fries from, a, from a grill or whatever they call them. <laughs> I, uh, I think it looks more like a brontosaurus, you know, it's good. The big, big, long neck, and a little, 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 <laughs> yeah. little, little, little tiny head at the top there. So, but either way, that'll be a fun race to watch. It'll be a big event, a big event. The tickets are selling. Quickly, I was looking at it. I was on their ticket website the other day, and you can see which tickets are sold and which tickets are available. And it's blatantly obvious you're going to have a great crowd on hand. Um, so going to be going to be great to see. Going to be uh, hopefully, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Sometimes these street races are are one and done, or or a couple years, and then they're gone. We haven't had a new street race survive in a long time. Um, probably I think St. Pete is the newest street race that's still on the calendar. So, uh, keep your fingers crossed for Nashville. It's a great city. Uh, hopefully, hopefully yeah. be, it'll be a great, it'll be a great event. Hopefully it'll be a great race. So, uh, but, but until then, yeah, we are out of time. So, uh, you know, thank you, Louise. Thank you, Richard. Thank you to the Hoobazoo radio network. Thank you to iHeartRadio, speaker, Google podcasts and YouTube. And thank you to you folks that enjoy listening to us every week, but until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.